0: Father's Day to all of the dads. Can we give our dads a big hand? <clears throat> For those of you at home, we hope that you are enjoying this Father's Day. I said it first service, I have to say it second service. Dads, I pray that today you experience many, many blessings. I hope that you get to eat your favorite food. Um, I hope you get to take a nap. If you're into naps, I'm into naps, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I hope that for today, you know, you can be treated as a king, you know, at least one day a year, right? Every other day, maybe not, but at least one day a year, can we, you know, treat the dads as as the king, right? Amen. So right now, amen. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. My wife, amen. Thank you. She does it every Father's Day. She does it more than Father's Day. I'm going to let y'all know that. So our kids are dismissed to their classes. They're excited to go to their classes. So for all of our kids that are going, you can go ahead and go to your class now. If you are still in the sanctuary, that means you're not going to kids' church. Stay with me, please. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet for the rest of us. Kids at heart, open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, we're going to start in verse 22, which you should have memorized by now. Um, Galatians 5 to 25 next week since it's uh last week of this series you're going to be tested when you come in. Yeah. Amen. Attendance just went down dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm just kidding there's no well there may be a pop quiz but you know it won't happen that way but anyway Galatians chapter 5 very important verse here very important verse is chapter 5 verse 22 to 25 when you got it say so And it says this, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Father, thank you for your word that is true. Thank you for your great love, your great grace that you have shown us Lord, may you speak to our hearts now. As we are here, Heavenly Father, either online, as we are here in this sanctuary now, may you speak to us clearly. May we hear your voice clearly, and may we respond to you in faith. Lord, I pray against every distraction of mind, every distraction of heart, and I ask you, God, that we would be attuned to your voice, and may you be glorified in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so as, as we have been going through the in-season series, I just want to um, bring just a reminder of the whole purpose of this series. I don't know if you have looked around, if you've been watching the news, but we are living in a moment. And somebody said this, that we're going through a pandemic naturally, but we are also experiencing experiencing a spiritual pandemic as well. There's something going on within the hearts of men. There's something that is happening in this very moment. And the truth of the matter is, is that the reason why this message of the fruit of the spirit is so important for this season that we're in is because our world is in need of life and the fruit of the Spirit is the life of God manifesting through the church, and that's each of us as believers into a world that needs life. Different worldviews are sucking out life from the church, bringing division and bringing separation rather than being life-giving, and so we as a church must be committed to bearing the fruit of the Spirit, and we don't make ourselves bear the fruit. The fruit is something that is a natural outflow of the life of God through us. So what we have to do is make sure that we are connected. We are connected with the Lord so that way the life of God is manifesting through us. And church, I want you to realize this. When we look at the times that we're living in, and this can be so, it can become so discouraging, right? It's so dark. It's so, I mean, you go online and you read posts and you see friends that are now, are they really friends? You know, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, I've, I've read people's posts where they've had to unfriend people. I'm like, Why? Why? Why do you got to unfriend someone? Because they disagree with you, right? We can't have disagreement in this culture. You know why? Because the devil has spoken this lie that you need to choose. Let me tell you something. There's only one thing you need to choose, and that's life. That's the only thing that you need to choose, right? That's the only thing that you and I have to choose because it's life or death and that's Christ. All this other stuff, you don't have to pick a side, right? You guys know I went to the Black Lives Matter event and I wore a shirt, right? My shirt was this. It was it, The shirt said, Team Black and Blue. Come on now. Why did I say that? Because I'm not going to pick one side over the other. I want justice and righteousness for all. Are you here? That's what I want. I want to bring unity, and that's the message of the church. We're supposed to bring unity to the body. We're supposed to bring unity into our world. While our world is pulling to the left and pulling to the right, we have to be the ones that say, you know what, God, I want to be the unifier. I want to be the one who is bringing life. And so the truth that we have is this, is that we need to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so here's what I want you to realize, that in these midst of these dark moments, if we will be faithful to the truth now... We will be fruitful. You hear me? If we will be faithful to the truth now, we will be fruitful. See, Jesus makes it crystal clear we're gonna bear fruit based upon our obedience to His word. Are you here? If, if we're not obedient to God's word, we're not going to be fruitful. I can be obedient to whatever ideology. Pastor Aldo, he was telling me about a conversation that he was like, hey, have you ever been in a conversation that you didn't re- that you were like, man, how did I get into this conversation? Anybody ever been there where you're like, "What? how did I end up here? Like, you don't even know how you got there, right? And he was just in a conversation with some co-workers talking about different religions and you know someone was saying well you know all religions are basically the same and pastor aldo was yelling inside of his soul saying "No, no 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 this is not true are you here truth matters why didn't jesus say something about the truth he said something like you will know the truth and the truth will set you free isn't that what he said and so we cannot listen we can't abandon truth because it's unpopular are you here We can't abandon truth because it's unpopular. We can't abandon truth because people don't like it. Listen, we have to be those who are truth bearers, who are living the truth in the midst of a culture that wants to dilute and mess stuff up. We have to be those light bearers. And we bear the light through what? Through the truth of God's word, by exposing the lies of the enemy, by bringing truth to bear in every conversation, even though you don't know how you got there. Come on now. Be ready in season and out of season. That's what this message is about. There's never been a moment that I think that we need to be more fruitful than now. We have, listen, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. This message right now, we reach however many people we do online. You know, we have hundreds of views and stuff like that. We are never, we, this church right here is never going to change the entire world. That's just not a reality. But you know what this church can do? This church can change its world. You can change your world. You can be a light. You can be one who is bearing fruit that makes whatever's being said out there pale in comparison to the life you're living. You know why? Because they see something in you that is different than the world. They see truth in you. They see life in you. They're experiencing the reality of who God is through you. That's the whole point that Paul is making when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And so I want you to think about this today as we deal with why gentleness matters. Gentleness makes truth more impactful. Gentleness makes truth more impactful. So you are taking notes, right? It makes truth more impactful. Now, I don't know if you've heard this statement before. I mean, I know that I've said it before, heard it before, right? But I don't sugarcoat stuff. Anybody ever heard that statement before? I know you never said it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't sugarcoat stuff. You know, I just bring it like it is hard, raw. I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Especially when it comes to scripture, like, yo, you can't be sugarcoating the scriptures. But you know, one day I was like thinking about that whole statement. And as I was thinking about it, I was realizing like the book of Ezekiel has a, a, a picture, right? Ezekiel is a very picturesque type of prophetic book, a lot of visionary stuff. And you know what God tells Ezekiel to do with the role of the, the scroll of scripture? You know what he tells him to do? Put honey on it. Why? Because try to eat a scroll. Like you're going to choke, man, right? Like it's... But if you put honey on it, right, it's like, yo, this is amazing, right? Like, I, and then when it goes down, it, like, hits the stomach. You ever, you ever been around a person, I don't know about you, I, 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 you know, you've been around someone, they have a conversation with you, and they talk to you, and you're, like, there, and you're like, yeah, you, you know, you're right, 100% right. And, and then you walk away from them, and you're like, man, they just told me off. You ever been around that person? You know, I'm not that person. I want to let you know. Like two minutes into the conversation, you're going to be offended because I'm just coming. But but here's the thing. There's other people, right? I'm not one of them. But there are other people who they have this ability, this gentleness, this tact, this way to communicate truth that you're like, wow, I need to repent. I need to make some changes. I want to do right. And so what I'm saying is we have to be able not to change God's word. We need to learn to present God's word in a way that's going to make great impact. See, I'm the kind of guy in just natural, my natural tendency is I like to make points. I'm going to give you three points today because I'm a point guy. Are you here? But here's what happens. What happens is we can get caught up in making a point rather than making a difference especially in today's day, because everybody wants to make a point. Come on now. Even for y'all online, everybody wants to make a point now. Everybody's trying to make a point. Everybody's trying to make a statement. My question is, are our statements, are our points, are our memes, are our tweets, are our whatevers, are they making a difference? Are they doing anything to help? You know, I think in, you know, 10 years from now, what we're going to find is that our online communications and all that have done nothing to help, but they've hurt us a lot. They've caused more division and they brought unity, but church, we need to be different. We need to know, Hey man, we need to experience or express this gentleness when we're bringing forth the truth of God's word. So the first thing that I would say, I'll ask you to repeat after me is this, say, we need a biblical definition of gentleness. We need a biblical definition of gentleness. And why is this important? Because we're living in a time where redefining words and symbols seems to be a normative practice. Come on now. Uh. We just redefine words because we want to make a point. Right. And we want to we, we, we want to convey a specific narrative. And so what happens is this. I have to make words that mean something mean something else. Come on now. You've been in those conversations. It's kind of like common core math. Are you here? Yeah. <laughs> just confusing. Like I know two plus two is four. However, Thank, thank the Lord Jesus for my beautiful daughter. She ensured she, she my son passed the first grade during this homeschool pandemic. That's what it was, a homeschool pandemic. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for a, a senior, amen, that, that was able to step in during lunchtime and I could step out, praise the Lord. <laughs> Were there. I, I was talking with our guys in our connect and we were sitting down we're having a conversation and, I, and it was an accounting um, a guy who was doing an interview with some people. And he asked a question, he said he asked the people, he was interviewing, he said, hey, what's two plus two? So the first person comes in and he says, two plus two is four. He's like, okay, well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Next person comes in for the interview. Next guy comes in, he says, hey, man, what's two plus two? And he says, well, because there's no such whole numbers, there's not really whole numbers, what two plus two really is, is 3.99999. I'm not that smart, but anyway, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, great, great, great third person comes in for the interview he says hey man what's two plus two he looked to the left he looked to the right he says what do you want it to be (laughs) we make the numbers say what we want right we redefine words right in this day that's what we're doing and so it's important why does this matter when it comes to the bible because we are supposed to be listening to god for direction in life are we not we're supposed to be hearing, knowing what God wants from us. If I tell my daughter, "Daughter, go do dishes," you know what I want her to do, do right? I don't want her to go jump in the pool. I don't want her to go scroll through her phone, right? I, that's not what I want. If I say, "Hey, I want you," I'm, I'm communicating what I want her to do, and I don't just want her to tell it, tell it back to me. I actually want her to do it. Are you here? It's not as, "Hey, baby, I want you to clean your room." Okay, Dad, you said go clean my room. I'm going to sit down and scroll. Wait a second. See, can I say something? I know this is going to offend some people, but it's okay. God is not impressed by how many scriptures you can quote, He's impressed by how much scripture you live. Are you here? Listen, I love memory verses. Next week, you know, we can talk about if you memorize the verse. You've had weeks to memorize this verse. We haven't gone over it like we normally do because of how we started things off. But here's the thing that I know is that I want to give you memory verses so that when you think about a book, you can connect it with the theme of the book. When we go through the book of Philippians, in the end of the year, we're going to connect it with a specific scripture that I believe is the theme of the book. But here's the deal. I don't, it's not just about you knowing those verses. It's about you living those verses. God is not impressed by how many verses you know. He's not impressed because you're such a sharp tool. You can give verse, you know, um, verse, uh, and and, and you let, let people know exactly where it is. No, no, he's not impressed by that stuff. He wants to see how you're living it. He wants to see how you are living the truth of his word. And so what does it mean to be gentle? Here's the thing. You've heard this said before, so I'll say it again. It, the word gentleness, right, is, it, it can be also translated as the word meekness. And you said this, do not mistake my meekness for weakness. Because there's this, there's this disconnect, right? Some people feel like, oh, well, he's really humble or he's really meek. And then they think, oh, he's weak. He's, he's a pushover. She's a pushover. No, 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 no. That's not what this word means. When you look at this word, this word has, has a connotation of being submissive. And I want you to know this. This is a long definition, so bear with me here. But this word connotes a submissive and teachable spirit toward God that manifests itself in genuine humility and consideration for others. We're going to unpack that in a moment. It is regrettable that the English word gentleness has come to have the popular connotation of a wimpish weakness and non assertive lack of vigor. Are you here? We think of this word as like, oh, it's wimpy, weak, no no vigor, no zeal, no passion, right? No, wait, wait a second, that's not true. Here's what the word actually means when it's being applied to the, to the fruit of the Spirit it means strength under control. If you're taking notes, strength under control that's what meekness is it's not that you're weak it's that you know when to apply pressure are you here you know when to push right you know when to be strong when to be firm when to be loud and you also know when to chill out right it means power harnessed in loving service so it's because you love others that you're not enforcing the way that you would like to right Listen, I got to pray about this. This is, you know, like I told you, every single week when I I go through these fruit and I'm studying them, I'm like, man, God, I have so much to grow. Because I just want to push all the time. I want to make it happen. That's just who I am. That's so how I have to learn, right? Like, that's just something for me. But here's the thing. It's being able to do that. It's respectful action. That's what meekness is. One who is gentle in this sense will not attempt to push others around or arrogantly impose one's own will on his subordinates. But gentleness, hear this now, gentleness is not incompatible with decisive action and firm convictions. See, we can be gentle, church, but we also need to be firm in our convictions. We don't have to go and, you know, slam somebody upside the head. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And, you know, with the truth, but we need to be firm on what we believe. I love when Pastor Aldo was telling me a story. He's like, he's telling me about the conversation. And he's like, man, I was there. I wasn't getting upset. I was just saying, no, that's not true. No, this is actually accurate. And when they came back, I was like, no, this is actually what you believe. And, you know, so he's telling them what they believe. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you have to help people, right, understand even what they're believing, even what they're communicating. You don't have to be a jerk about it, right? You don't have to be harsh about it, but you can communicate the truth. And so here's what we realize is this. The first thing, turn with me to the book of James chapter 1 and verse 21. I mean, think, think about this for a moment. You know, Jesus, meek and mild, you know what he did in, in all of his gentleness? He came into the, into the temple and he flipped tables over. He chased people out of the church with a whip. Hello. That's gentle, right? Jesus said, learn from me. We're about to look at that in a moment, but here's the deal. Jesus was strong. He was meek for sure. He was, he was humble for sure, but he was a man of conviction. He was a man of vigor. He was a man of power. And I say this, I love dads and I'm grateful, man. And men, let me let you know, when we saw that video and you saw those arms extended, man, there was strength in that man. Be continued. Thank you for being dads that extend your hands to help your kids. Thank you for being dads that are lifting your kids up. We need men like that in our culture, but not just in our homes, but outside of our home, men that that, that exemplify and demonstrate. State Demonstrate strength in the midst of this culture in this moment. I want you to look at James chapter 1. I hope you turn there. James chapter 1 verse 21. James, I love the book of James. He's very pointed and the way that he communicates. Very challenging and the way he communicates. Look what he says in verse 21. James 1 verse 21. He says this. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And look at this. And receive with meekness the implanted word of god which is able to save your soul look at that and receive with meekness see here's something that you got to realize is that god's word is supposed to be the highest authority and we will never receive god's word as the highest authority in our lives if we're not meek if we're not humble you want to know why something else will be the highest authority in our lives something else will be the highest authority in our lives but when we come to god's word with meekness with humility with surrender what we're saying is god i don't know all things no matter what i feel i don't know everything no matter how i think i don't know everything no matter how i was raised i don't know every single thing therefore i receive your word why because your word is able to deliver my soul so to, so, so to walk in meekness, if you can't walk in meekness before God, then guess what? You're never going to walk in meekness with others. Pride is the biggest hindrance. It is the biggest hindrance to us receiving, to us hearing, to us applying and obeying God's word. It's when we don't have a humble heart before God's word, we want to do it our way. We think we have all the answers, or we're okay. We're going to continue in our vicious cycle of insanity. That's what we want to do. Are you here? See, when there's no meekness, you know what you do with God's word? You're always looking for the loophole. Come on now. If you can't find the loophole, you know what you do? You search long enough to find somebody who interprets it the way you want it to be interpreted. That's what you do. That's what we're doing in our culture right now. Let me help you to understand something for all of you that are into hermeneutics, which is the correct study of God's word. I want you to realize this culture does not interpret the Bible, the Bible is supposed to be applied to culture. See, scripture, hear me now, scripture interprets scripture. You wanna know what the New Testament is meaning? Go back to the Old Testament. Are you here? that's where you don't 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 just look at culture. you know what our issue is that we look back we're looking at the culture look at what happened in the culture and and we forget about what does god's word say what does god's word say what did god mean when he said that what did god mean when he communicated that that is the right way to interpret the word of god then we can apply god's word in the culture you know the problem is today the problem is today we want the culture to speak whatever god's word is saying and it's not always the same It's not always accurate. You can find a verse that can fit whatever you want. That doesn't make it right. Are you here? Second place I'll ask you to turn really quickly is the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. We already see how we have to to respond to God's word. The book of Galatians chapter 6. And so just one chapter over from our memory verse. Galatians chapter 6 says this. Verse 1. In verse 1 he tells us, and this should be a familiar passage to most of us. It says, brethren. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, any spiritual people in the room? Any spiritual people online say amen if you're spiritual online? Hallelujah. (sighs) You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you be tempted also. You who are spiritual, in other words, you who know what's right, you who are living right. How do you correct someone with a baseball bat ready to crack them upside the head with your spiritual knowledge? Is that how you do it? Or do you come to them with a brokenness in your spirit? Do you come, can, can I tell you one of the greatest issues in our day? One of the greatest issues, the reason why we're not able to have conversation is because there's no spirit of gentleness when you're disagreeing with me. There's, listen, all you got to do is just peruse your, your, your Facebook feed. Just look at the way people are talking. Someone said something. We live in the age of outrage, according to Ed Stetzer, right? I believe it. He wrote a book, The Age of Outrage. I, I encourage you to read it. But in this moment that we're living in, man, are we coming in a spirit of gentleness or we got to ax to grind? How are we coming at each other? Because the way that we come at each other with brothers and sisters, I loved it. Pastor Caleb got up here. Him and I hadn't even talked about anything online or anything like that. And he went up there and he let us all know, man, y'all are eating and devouring each other online. Where's the law, people? Especially for brothers and sisters. Like, are we coming in a spirit of gentleness? Are we even coming? Because I love the way the text says it. The text said, those who are overtaken in a trespass, not because they offended your opinion. Come on now. (laughs) It's because you care about their soul. We can differ on opinion. I can assure you, some of us, we are going to die and go to heaven. And in heaven, in the midst of the praise break, we're still going to be in disagreement. Come on now. We still are going to be disagreed on stuff on earth. All we're going to say is, well, he knew best, glory to God. (laughs) I still disagree with you, right? We're going to come and rub each other and say, hey, I made it. You didn't think I was going to make it, huh? (laughs) I still disagree with you, glory to God, right? Like that's just, I mean, mean, think about that, right? I mean, we we may never agree on our opinions on stuff, but man, we got to be gentle with one another. Especially with each other, because if we're not gentle with each other, you know what that means? That means that we're not showing each other love. And Jesus said we would be known by our our love, not by our (laughs) sharp comments. Some of us missed that, but anyway. (laughs) 2 Timothy, turn to 2 Timothy. I want you to see this. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're actually going to read 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 23. And then we're going to finish in verse 26. But I want us to focus on verse 25. But here's what it says in verse 23. This is so important for the days we're living in. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Hallelujah. Let's close the Bible. Let's go home. Amen. (laughs) We don't need to go any further than that. Let's avoid, right, these foolish, these these ignorant disputes. Why does Paul say to avoid them? Knowing that they generate strife. You know who's the author of the strife we're having in the church? Let me say it to y'all. It ain't Donald Trump. I know y'all, some people feel that way. No, it's not. You know who it is? It's the enemy. That's who it is. That's who it is. Some oh, it started five years ago. No, it didn't. I got a meme for that. I'm not going to share it, but hey, check it out. This is the thing we have to understand. What we have to understand is this, is that we have an enemy that wants us to strive, to be striving with one another, to be divided with each other, to be hurtful toward each other, to be hateful for each other. And you know what he does? He'll pick and choose and use anyone. He can use to make us start pointing fingers and start biting and devouring. But what we should be doing is avoiding those foolish arguments, those things that don't lead to anything. Verse 24 says this And a servant of the Lord. Now let's see if y'all reply. Who is the servant of the Lord? Who? We are. Who is it? We, us. We are servants. That means that this applies to all of us in the room, right? Not the pastor. Not the elders, not the leaders, all of the church people. And all the church people said, Amen. it's all of us. So you're under the same, the same, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say condemnation, but you're under the same call as I am, as you are. We're all under the same call. And look what he says here. He says, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Hmm, Gentle to all. Oh, that's so powerful. Gentle to all. I was listening to these two brothers have a conversation. He said, when Jesus brought in the idea of not just loving your neighbor, but loving your enemy, he revolutionized everything. Because it's easy to love someone you like. Try loving someone you can't stand. (laughs) Or try loving someone who likes someone you can't stand. Come on now. That's all it is today. It's loving someone who disagrees with you. And so what happens is what? We are supposed to be gentle with all. What? Able to teach, patient. And look at this, this is verse 25. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. You know why gentleness matters so much? Because there are people who are opposed to the gospel. Some of them are sitting right in our pews. Some of them, we call them brothers and sisters, and they are enemies of the truth for whatever whatever reason there is. And, and what we have to realize is that if there is any hope for them to come to the knowledge of the truth, for them to escape the snare of the enemy, you know what that means we have to do? That means we have to be committed not only to truth, but also gentleness as we present the truth. Humility as we present the truth. So that way they can hear beyond the truth. They can hear the Lord who is speaking. Listen, I want you to know, this does not mean that if you're gentle when you present the truth, that they're going to say, wow, I need Jesus. Oh my goodness, you were so gentle, I really need the Lord, right? <laughs> that is not what the text is saying. What Paul is saying is this, if there is any hope, it's more likely, hello, that if you are gentle, if you're just like cramming and man, they're going to be like, I don't want to hear none of that stuff. But when you're gentle, when you're patient, when you're teaching, when you are coming, when you're coming that way, guess what? Man, I can hear the Lord through you. I told you guys the story I it real quick. We were sitting at a, we, we were in California, got on a bus. i never forget this, man. This has to be one of the, probably one of the most amazing evangelistic experiences I have. I sit on the bus talking to a, a woman and her husband. They were actually from Seattle. We're obviously from Florida. And we're sitting on the bus and, uh, you know, we're getting into a conversation. And they got off the bus before us. And so, my, you know, my wife was like, man, why didn't you share the gospel with them? I'm like, why didn't you? <laughs> I am not the only one with a mouthpiece here, right? Like, we're both. Right. Anyway, the Lord has a great sense of humor. We went to the movies. We ate dinner. We're sitting at the bus stop. And guess who shows up at our stop? That same couple. So now I'm like, all right, Lord, you must want me to share the gospel. I was going to say, babe, you want to share? Because I know you were talking to him. I just want you to know I did not say that to my wife. I was thinking all of this, okay? Yeah. Just... Because at moments, there are some moments that I'm gentle, right? Not, not, not often, but, you know, and, and not. But anyway, we started having a conversation. So we start talking, and I don't know how the conversation came to Jesus, except Jesus brought it there. And let me tell you something. You guys know me, right? I am very clear. I am very direct when it comes to the truth of, of Scripture. I'm not going to candy. or oh, I, will, I will honey it up. We'll do that, Okay. <laughs> But I'm not going to dilute it is what I mean. I'm not going to take away from the sting of the truth by by, by pandering to somebody's ideologies or whatever the case is. And as we sat there, and I felt like it was a pretty intense conversation. My wife can attest, I wasn't raising my voice like typically. I wasn't like preaching at the woman, but I was definitely evangelizing her. And I remember one moment, the reason why I share this story with you, because there was one moment where this woman said something. This is the reason why it changed my heart is as as strong and as tough as I was being about the gospel and the love of God and all of that. And the whole thing, the conversation was because she was more of a universalist who believe everybody's going to go to heaven and there's got to be multiple ways to God, which is just not true. And I continue to came back to that truth, come back to that truth. And she said something that blessed my life. She said, you know what? As we're having this conversation, I feel the love of God coming through you. And so what that tells me is that, listen, you don't need to lower the standard of truth, man. You need to be loving when you communicate it. You need to have compassion for people. You need to be passionate about the truth that you are communicating and that you are conveying so that way God can turn these people from their sins. See, the most difficult interactions that we have, right? First of all, we have to be humble before the Lord. But when it comes to each other, I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you right now, I wish, and I, and I do, I mean, I mean this sincerely, I wish I never had to tell anybody about their business ever again. Straight up. Like, I wish I could just live my own little life, look in the mirror, talk talk to myself about my sin, repent of my sin, try to live a holy life and be all good. But that's not an option for the Christian, for the servant of the Lord. See, a lot of times people put stuff back on the pastor. Pastor, you do this. Pastor, no, 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 no. You who are spiritual. Come on now. Servants of the, y'all said you were servants of the Lord. So it's all of us. And I know online you were saying that too. You're servants of the Lord also. You can't renege. You can't take that back. All right. But the truth is what? That we are supposed to be the servants of the Lord that God has called us to be. And we are supposed to be the light that is shining in the midst of these dark moments. And the most difficult conversations are those that are contentious, those that are confronting someone about something. Those are difficult conversations. But you know what? If we just come with gentleness, it's not gonna say the conversation is gonna be easy because I can tell you, I try to be gentle. I try to be soft. I try to be all that. And it never makes the conversation easier. Doesn't seem to, I don't know, I don't know. But I do believe it makes the conversation more palatable. And what we have to do is care about not just making a point, but making a difference. The second thing I want to ask you to repeat after me, I told you the first point is the longest one. Say this with me, Jesus is our example of gentleness. Turn with me real quick to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to look at verse 25 to verse 30. Very important portion of scripture. Jesus tells us here to learn from him. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 to verse 30. When you got it, say so. I only had like two so, so I'm going to wait for you guys, all right? Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. When you got it, say so. so. That's better. It says this. It says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the, except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. So pause for a moment. Because what we have is Jesus is giving thanks to the Father because the wise and the knowing, they didn't get to know the truth of who Jesus was. They seem to be blinded to the truth. You want to know why? It's the same thing that happens today. When you think you know it all, you're going to be blinded to the truth. When you think you have all the answers, when you think you read the Bible, when you think you've heard enough sermons, when you think you know enough about religion, all that, when you think that way, guess what happens? You become blinded to the truth. But when you humble your heart like babes, Like babies, when you humble your heart before the Lord, you know what He does? He opens your eyes. He opens your eyes. He shows you who He is. And so, what does Jesus say here? So, Jesus goes on. He gives this invitation. This is an invitation that is surrounding salvation. He says, verse 28, He says, Come to me. And you should underline these words. If you're not afraid to underline in your Bible, highlight them. Take notes on this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Second one, take my yoke upon you and learn from me is the third one for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's something that we realize is that up until this point, all of the people that were in Jesus's time, they were trying to obey the law. How many of you know obeying the Bible is a good thing? Amen. Amen. A couple of people, you know, they were like, oh, okay, maybe. I'll try to convince the rest of you. I'm just kidding. Listen, obeying the Bible is a good thing. Whenever we, listen, this is what we have to understand. When we obey the scriptures, what we are doing is we are aligning our life to God's best for us. Are you here? When we obey the Bible, when we obey what the scriptures teach, we're saying, God, I want your best for me. And your best for me doesn't mean what other people may define that as, but I want your best for my life. I want your best for my family. I want your best for my business. I want your best for whatever area of my life that I am living the truth of scripture. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. God's best is there in the text. And so what happened up until Jesus' time is that all of the people were trying to obey what the word of God said, but you know what happens when you have God's law, but you don't have God's grace. It becomes a great burden. You know why? Cause you start to realize, man, this is tough to do. I can't live this by myself. I can't do this on my own. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus tells him the first, thing. he gives him three things, three parts of this invitation. And this, and this invitation is really important, you know why? Because this to me is the greatest way that we see God's grace, that we see God's gentleness. Jesus in his lifespan, he could have stoned people, he could have had people excommunicate. he could have done all kinds of stuff, but what did he always do? He always showed mercy, he always showed grace, but he also brought truth. That's what he always did. And so here, Jesus gives the invitation. The first part of the invitation is what? Come to me and you will find rest is what he says. What is rest? Rest has to do with salvation. Rest. He wants us to rest in him. We come to him. And here's what you need to realize is that salvation is in a person, not a system. Are you here? He says, come to me. Come to me, all who want to find rest. I don't know about you. And I don't know about you online, but I want to find rest. And you know where I find it? In a person. I find it in a person. The second thing he says, take up my yoke. What does taking up my yoke mean? Now, listen, I'm not a guy that deals with cattle, that deals with farm stuff. But here's what I know by doing a little bit of research. Is that a yoke is something that you put on an ox or you put on a mule for him to pull something, right? That's, That's how this thing worked. In those days to work the fields and stuff like that. And when Jesus says to put on my yoke, here's what I understand. What I understand is Jesus saying, he's not saying, hey, put my yoke on and pull this on your own. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, put my yoke on. In the way that I envision this, and I can't guarantee this, but here's the thing Jesus has already done the heavy lifting. And so Jesus has the heavy side. He's got the weight of the yoke on him. And he says, hey, take up my yoke. Put it on because it is light. It's not saying that it's easy, he's saying you can do it on your own and that's going to be heavy. But when you have someone else stronger than you and has already done the heavy lifting, guess what? It's lighter. It's easier to pull when you're letting him lead. So he says, take up my yoke because it is light. And then the third thing he says is what? The third thing he says is very clear. He says, learn from me. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm meek. Learn from me. And what? And your soul will find rest. Can I ask you a question? In the midst of everything that's going on just in our world, pandemic, spiking numbers, You have all kind of racial tensions, all kind of unrest, all kind of division, rumors of wars, all kind of stuff that we see in the Bible. I gave first service homework, so I got to give you homework as well. I encourage you to go home, sit down with Matthew chapter 24, read through it, and just look at the news. Look at what's going on, and as you read through the text, be like, huh, looks like some of this is happening, because what Jesus said is truth. What is prophesied is true. The time is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And so what we have to realize is that what? Is that we looking at what's going on around us, you know what can happen? Here's what can happen. Our hearts don't find rest. We start to carry burdens that we should not be carrying. We suddenly need to be the savior of everyone. We suddenly need to be the deliverer of everyone. We suddenly need to be the one who is fixing every situation. Listen, we cannot fix every situation, nor can we allow our hearts to be troubled in the way that some of us get here. We are supposed to be anxious for nothing is what the scriptures tell us. But here's what's supposed to happen. As we learn from him, not what we learned, Not what we learned a year ago. Not what we learned in that sweet spot with the Lord. Listen, man, I have plenty of yesterdays with God. What about my todays and my tomorrows with God? See, learning from him is not just walking in, man, I had some good experience. Man, I know who the Lord is. Man, I got to, listen, if your only testimony is a year old, you got a problem. If your only experience with the Lord is six months ago, you have an issue. Listen, you need to be encountering the Lord. This morning, and I just say that, listen, this morning, beautiful time of worship, experiencing, encountering the Lord prior to coming here. Why? Because, man, I want to learn from him. I want to know him. I don't want my heart to be troubled when I look at this world's turmoil as though this is the end. It's not the end. It may be the end for this world as we know it. However, it's not the end for the believer. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, gentleness Gentleness is a needed needed end-time virtue. virtue. Gentleness is a needed end-time virtue. Last verse, and then I'm going to let you go. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. I'm going to preach through the book of Philippians toward the latter part of the year. But what I want you to see here is the Apostle Paul says something that is extremely important. One day when we were at Forge, Um, Dr. Pete had us walk through this text together. And as we walked through the text together, it was, you know, going from verse 4 all the way to verse 8. And as we were reading through it, this this verse, verse 5, just jumped off the page at me. And look what Paul says here. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Prior to that verse, he says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say, "Rejoice." Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but by everything in prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. So, what does Paul do? Like it's like this sandwich. Like in between the place of joy and the place of le- letting go of anxiety, he says, "Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is at." Hand. Listen, if you're a believer, the reason why we live how we live is because the Lord is at hand. Because we realize that while Jesus was on this earth, and this word right here uh, for gentleness is different than the one in Galatians chapter 5, this word has to do with selflessness. Because what happens when we are selfless, what happens when we are meek, is that we lay down our rights for the glory of Christ and for the benefit of others. That's what it means to be gentle is when you're not pushing your agenda, you're not pushing your idea. No, 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 you're pushing the gospel forward. You're elevating Christ. You want people to know he is the hope of the world. That's what we do as believers. We point people to Christ and the gospel. See, what happens is meekness. When we're meek, it allows us to have conversations that we would never have. You know why? Because we're not worried about the victory. We're worried about unity. We're striving toward unity. For those of you that are married, this will be helpful for you. When you argue with your spouse, you're not arguing, right, to to see who the victor is. If you are, you're going to have problems. Hello. Because you know what? At the end of the argument, guess who's going to remain there? You and the other one. Hello. (laughs) Hopefully you guys aren't going anywhere. And so guess what? If you're always trying to up one another, if you're always trying to get the victory over one another, if you're always trying to make a point, guess what you never do? You never come to the place of unity. It's the same thing for the church. We have to have meekness. Our gentleness needs to be known to all. You know what will happen when we have meekness? We'll be able to see progress in places that we think it's impossible. Why? Because wisdom leads. Because it's not my way. I don't know everything. But we can cry out to God and say, God, give us wisdom so we can move forward as a people, so we can move forward as a nation, so we can move forward as a church. Here's the thing that I love so much. Meekness has the ability to open up doors for the gospel that the enemy has influenced to close. See, here's the thing, guys, and this becomes so important, I need you to hear this, because when we look at where we are today, man, we are, I I think I have never, and, and, and I've been a Christian for a little over 20 years, Man, I have never, ever seen the church as divided as it is today. And I'm not saying that the church has not been more divided in history because, my goodness, you go in church history, you see some serious divisions. I'm just talking about our day. More divided over issues than ever before. And can I tell you something? Listen, this is the work of the enemy. We as the church, we have to come together and we have to say, wait a second, we're not going to give place to the wicked one. We're not just going to, man, we, we cannot just be the thermometer in the culture. Are you here? We have to be the ones who dictate what the atmosphere is. You know what happens to too many of us as Christians? Too many of us as Christians, we jump into conversations, it's a hot one, and we just heat things up. We just jump right in instead of us saying, wait, 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 wait a second. Let me bring the truth to bear in a gentle, loving and gracious way. I don't wanna just tell you what the temperature is. I wanna change the atmosphere. See, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be that person that just says, oh, well, things are in turmoil, things are bad. No, no, I wanna be a person that is actually making a difference. And you know what I realize Is that the gospel has the power to do it. But you know what the enemy's been doing? He's been working overtime to shut doors. He's been working overtime to make people shut their hearts. He's been using whatever and whoever. But you know what we got to realize? Our battle is not flesh and blood. Are you here? There is a spiritual battle that is going on. My wife, last night, this was so crazy. My wife, last night, she was, she was, she, obviously, she's laying next to me. Praise the Lord. Um, It's a good thing, right? I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't fighting for victory. (laughs) Man, I'm going to tell you something. I've had dreams like with, you know, some spiritual warfare, but man, I was in this dream. And this was one of the dreams that I, I could actually, I, I could feel myself. I was like fighting and, and I was, and I was trying to rebuke the enemy. And she was rubbing, and I could feel her rubbing me, but I couldn't move. I was just, I was in this, in this battle, and I felt this spiritual warfare that was going on. And she was there trying to wake me up. Listen, you know you know what I've told my wife? Whenever you feel me, like, because there's some times that, man, I'm sleeping, and I don't even realize what's going on. There was just a battle. I know some of you are like, whoa, listen. <laughs> I don't want to experience that. I'm not telling you you're going to experience that. I'm, I'm just letting you know there is a spiritual battle that is going on. The enemy is working overtime to battle against the church because he knows the end is near. He wants to do everything he can to divide the church. He wants to do everything he can to hinder the church from being together. And so if you're here in this room and you're feeling some kind of division and you're feeling something in your heart or you're listening online and you're like, man, I'm not feeling that. Hold on a second. You need to check your heart. Is the enemy finding a place in your life to divide you from your brothers and sisters in a moment that we need to come together or, or is there something else going on in your life? where is the gentleness that is happening where is the compassion one for the other see because here's the deal the enemy is working overtime church it's time for us to wake up And that night when she woke me up and I finally woke up, you know what I did? I turned on my side and I began to pray and I began, because then I could actually talk. Then I could actually breathe. When I woke up this morning and I began to engage with the Lord, I just remembered that dream. And I was like, man, God, I stand against the works of the enemy. I stand against the divisive plans of the enemy. I stand against the lies of the enemy that are seeking to destroy your church. Church, understand this. I'm getting ready to close. We have the ability to bring change. And listen, I'll tell you this right now. We have a hundred, you know, hundreds of of views that see us online. We are probably, and I say this not because I'm a man of little faith, but here's the thing. We are probably not going to change the world, but you know what we can do? We can change our world. We may not change the entire globe, but what we can do is we can change our world. We can change the people. We can let them see the fruit of God. We can let them see the truth of God and the power of God in us that brings change to their lives. Because you know what? That's all God cares about. That we are faithful to what He gives us and where He places us. And so, my challenge is this when we're thinking about gentleness, where is it that you need to grow in gentleness? Where is it that you need to grow in your exhibition of God's gentleness towards others? Because I don't know about you, but God's been pretty gentle with me. Hello. <sighs> Let me say that again. I don't know about you, but God's been pretty gentle with me. See, 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 you think, think, think about it now. I'm not not talking about before you came to Jesus, after you came to Jesus, because I know, you know, you come to Jesus and I know some of you are perfect. Hello. But for the rest of us in the room or online, man, you think Jesus should have been a little bit harder on you? He could have been. And some of you have like broke leg experiences, right? But let me ask you a question. Before you got the broke leg experience, was he gentle? How gracious was he before he brought you to the broke leg moment where he's like, all right, son, daughter, I love you. I got to break that leg. Because that's what happens with sheep, right? From what I understand and reading books, you know, sheep continues to try to go their own way, continue to try to do their own thing. You know, I have this little new puppy. I love him. Hallelujah. But he's a puppy. He tries to push his boundaries, right? He's like this big and he's trying to bark at me. I'm like, are you kidding, bro? Like, seriously? Anyway. I'm gentle, right? So he's, he wants to do something else. I, I nudge him with my leg. I push him with my hand. And then when he gets a little crazier, then I have to get a little crazier. Hello? This is not dog abuse. I just want you to know it's not on that level of crazy, all right? But, but, but what happens is I don't just automatically walk up to him with a harsh correction. God doesn't do that to us. So why do we do that to each other? Where do you need to grow in gentleness? I know where I need to grow. I hope you know where you need to grow. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you with humble hearts today. We thank you because you have been gracious, merciful to us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be gracious, to be loving, to be kind, to be gentle one to another, God. Father, I pray that we would be a people that are more interested with making a difference than just making a point, that we would be a people that are more interested in impacting lives than we are with being right in a debate or in an argument. Father, give us a heart that is after yours. We want to see our world changed and transformed by the glory and the power of God. I pray, Jesus, that you give us your heart. I ask this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise, he's worthy. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that this service encouraged you and built your faith in Christ, as well as called you to action. Please be sure to connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe so you can stay connected and be informed of when we post new content. If there's any way we can pray for you or serve you, or if you would like more information on a relationship with Christ, email us at bishop at corefaithchurch.org. Make sure to IM us on Facebook or DM us on Instagram.